0: The Saluki Standards Podcast is brought to you by McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, and they're famous for their sweet tea and their handcrafted sandwiches. They're located on East Main Street in Carbondale, 1382 East Main Street to be exact. McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, proud sponsor of the Saluki Standards Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Connor Onion, and this episode is long overdue. Not much introduction needed for this guy. The Saluki head men's basketball coach, Saluki Hall of Famer, member of the 2007 Sweet 16 team. Here is Brian Mullins. First, Coach Mullins, I got to uh, I got to apologize. Uh, it's episode 20, and uh, we haven't had the head basketball coach on yet. I was kind of hoping to have you on in person, but uh, here we are doing it on Zoom. And yeah. uh, I I apologize. It's it's taking this long. You're you're no, one of our esteemed right. guests, time. so thanks it's for doing right. it.
1: You, you humble me always. And, uh, it's, it's, it's good. I've been, I've been following it every single week and hoping to get the call one day. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure someone canceled today, and I was a good fill in. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I, I had a couple of alums
0: text me like, what are you doing? You goof. Like why, <laughs> why, why have you not had Brian on yet? So I was hoping to do it in person. That's, yeah. that's, that's real. I was hoping to have you on in person at some point, but, but this will have to do. Um, but but last week, um, some, some exciting news with, with Liz Jarnigan, the athletic director, announcing that athletes are going to be back on campus June 20th. Uh, what's that going to look like for you guys?
1: Yeah, it is. It's exciting. Um, you know, Liz and the rest of her staff have been working extremely hard to put together, um, you know, a, a plan, a protocol, guidelines to ensure our safety for our student athletes returning back to campus and um they've done an unbelievable job working with the university working with the health departments around the area um so our guys are excited you know we'll be able to get about half our guys back uh this upcoming weekend in this first gate uh, as they called it and then be able to get the rest of our guys back after the fourth of july um and you know our guys have been home since three three and a half months you know we we played bradley march 5th i think lost to them uh, at, at the very end. And then it was spring break here on campus. So all of our guys went home after Arch Madness expecting to be back in the week. And then we haven't seen them, you know, so it's uh, it's exciting for us to get our, our, our returning guys back. And then also the guys that we've added in the fall and in the springtime here, you know, just to kind of have, you know, the team that we're going to be competing with this upcoming year together for the first time is, is something that we've been looking forward to for a long time.
0: How do you how do you balance that? You've got uh, you know your your core group of returners, and then you've got the new guys. Would you rather get the new guys in first, or get the returners in there first? And um, you know how do you how do you balance that?
1: Um, I'd love to get them all here at the same time, but uh, you know just getting them here is a huge step. And you know uh, it, it you know that part doesn't make too much of a difference to me. I think you know the guys that have been here are familiar with it, so I think it's good that they're coming back first. Um, you know, just because they are familiar with the school, the university and, um, you know, and then I I know the new guys, especially the freshmen that'll be back after the fourth, um, you know, they'll be, they'll be ready to go. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, for us, I think, you know, for them to have a consistent place to shoot, a consistent place to lift every single day. I mean, that's, then the struggle with probably a lot of student athletes is just kind of having their routine back in their life with everything that has happened the last three or four months with the virus. You
0: know, usually, uh, during the summertime and in season two, everybody across the country is equal in hours and days that you can work out and and be together. But this is on kind of a, a school by school and sometimes state by state basis. Um, I mean, what conversations have you been having kind of about the, you know, the moral responsibility to keep people safe, but also keep a competitive edge against some of the other teams?
1: Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's a challenge, especially, I mean, I can't imagine the conversations Liz has had, um, you know, with our university and with, you know, other athletic directors across the country, Um, you know, because it is kind of school by school and every state has their own governing guidelines that they're trying to follow as well. So, it's just an interesting process still with some unknowns and uh, no one probably has the exact right solution or the right answer at the time, but everyone's doing their best to make sure that the student athletes are safe. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I think, you know, the student athletes well-being and, uh, you know, our guys love being down here, you know, mentally, physically, everything, and, you know, trying to give them some normalcy, you know, with everything that's been going on as well, I think is important. So, uh, you know, I think for coaches just, you know again i think being able to provide you know a facility being able to provide a weight room to our student athletes is more important than us actually being able to go over x and o's on the court or teach them i think just kind of you know first getting them place some structure and routine back in their lives is, is the biggest thing for us
0: i'm sure you're uh you're ready to be done talking about it and just do it get back <laughs> some ball
1: right <laughs> yeah no i i mean I'm, I'm excited i mean you know those that first month, you know, with the guys gone and everything going on, you weren't really even thinking about it. And then, you know, another month went by and, you know, then you started really missing the guys, you know, just having them stop by here, not even the basketball, but just not not having them in the office, not seeing them through the hallways, you know, not joking around with them, Um, you know, and obviously you do the Zooms as a team, you do individual Zooms with your players, but it's just not the same as, you know, face-to-face interaction and, and being around them daily. Sure,
0: sure well let's uh let's let's go into to your your life story a little bit here um take me take me all the way back to the beginning uh when do you remember having a basketball in your hands oh. for the first time oh man i
1: I don't remember not having a basketball um you know i, I was i always remember playing sports you know whether it's basketball soccer baseball football whatever it was and, and um, you know i just It was something that I've always loved to do. And, you know, I think, you know, I played soccer and basketball seriously, you know, all the way up until high school, you know, and those two have always stuck with me. And I think, you know, just, you know, the basketball part of it, I think, you know, I just loved kind of, you know, especially being a point guard, you know, kind of having that control of the game type feel and being able to make an impact, you know, every single possession was something that, you know, I think I really you know, loved uh, to do. A lot of us know what, what kind of basketball player you were. What kind of soccer player were you? (laughs) I was good. I was good. I played soccer, you know, probably spent more time on a soccer field, practicing soccer, uh, up until about 13, 14 years old than I did basketball. Um, you know, I played really competitive. I, you know, played for, you know, a, a club that was going all across the country playing games. And so it was a hard decision, you know, choosing between the two and, I knew it was going to have to come eventually, or at least my parents kept telling me, especially my dad. And, uh, you know, to make that decision, um, you know, it was tough for me, but again, I just, you know, I just felt in basketball, you know, just the impact you can make on every single possession. I think that's what kind of drew me to, you know, choosing basketball over soccer.
0: I've heard, uh, Steve Kerr talk a lot about uh, the relationship between spacing and soccer and how that's, directly attributable to, to what you see in basketball how much do you think it helped you with uh, with some of those things
1: oh I think it's great you know I, I really think soccer is the best thing for basketball just with uh, endurance the footwork and then again like you said the teaching the game um, with the spacing the concepts the ball movement you know you hear the Spurs talk about 0.5 and people playing off each other. And, you know, I've done Zooms with soccer coaches this off season, you know, and, you know, I just think there's a lot of, um, you know, aspects of both sports that translate to each other. Talk some soccer during this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, right, I yeah. just, I talked about spacing and, and culture and, um, you know, I've always in, you know, since I played so serious, I mean, I've always watched soccer, um, you know, I'm living in France, you know, went to soccer matches over there. So it's been a big part, you know, of my life. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned,
0: uh, you mentioned your dad. I did want to ask about Mike. Um, you know, he, he founded the Illinois wolves in in 1999, you and you and Brendan are, are pretty young at that point. So you've been around, um, that sort of competitive competitive atmosphere for a long, long time and been around coaching for a long time. Uh, what do you think his greatest influence was for you when, when you were, you know, coming up through grade school and in high school?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's impacted, obviously, um, not so much the basketball part, but just um, in terms, I think of, you know, how to be a good person and how to treat people well. And the thing I always take away from, you know, him is just the relationship aspect of coaching. And the reason he does it and the reason he loves it is because you know, he teaches people and, um, you know, he has all his former players always come back and talk to all the younger teams. um, You know, for me growing up, it was, you know, it's kind of a no excuses household. Um, You know, I mean, you know, it it was, you know, find a way, uh, you know, it was a competitive family, obviously, with my older brother, Brendan, my younger brother, Mike, I mean, uh, you know, and, you know, he just didn't really want to hear about, you know, any complaining or anything like that. So, um, you know, it, he's been a huge influence in my life, obviously. And it's not so much the basketball the X and O part, but more about the life advice throughout my playing career and coaching career.
0: Was there a, uh, was there a point where maybe you were, you were complaining or didn't want to do something. And and that message really got across to you that you remember
1: from your childhood. uh, <sighs> I mean, I think it was always just like work harder, you know, like life isn't fair, you know, just deal with it. You got to show up the next day, you have a bad game, you know, this is what happened. You got to be ready to go the next day, you know? And I think it was just like that competitive mindset that he kind of instilled in all of us where, you know, you know, there, no excuses like you know you have enough to be successful in whatever you choose to do it's just whether or not you really want to put the time and the effort and, and really go after it you know if you're not going to put the work in don't complain that you know you're not starting or don't complain that you're not one of the best soccer players or you know it was just you know this is what it's about you know and um you know we really you know kind of instill that work ethic that blue collar mentality into
0: us you mentioned, uh, you know, being a, a two-sport guy and and having the the soccer and basketball background. Was there was there any nudging going on uh, to pursue basketball since that's what Dad <laughs> was passionate about?
1: No, no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't really. I mean, he, you know, both my mom, my dad. I mean, they 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 wouldn't have cared if I played any sports. Um, You know, they just you know, again, expected, you know, us to do our best, whether it was in sports or in school or, you know, you know, treat people well with our friends. And, um, you know, there there wasn't, you know, obviously my dad, I mean, my dad tried to coach us in soccer because he just wanted to always coach us and wanted to always be around us. And he knew nothing about soccer, but he was still going to coach us, you know, so uh, there wasn't any favoritism with basketball or soccer. There was, there was a chance there at
0: one point that maybe the, the Mullins coaching tree was, uh, was soccer driven, not basketball (laughs) driven.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, I don't know. That would have been an interesting one.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, you, you know, you go to Downers Grove South high school in the Chicagoland area, Southwest suburb, um, take a couple of trips downstate. 2003 was the first one down there. You go with Brendan. Um, what do you remember about making that run
1: with your brother? Uh, it was it was a great a uh, great year, probably one of my favorite basketball years of my life um, because our whole family was involved. Um, you know, my parents, my younger brother Mike was at every single game, and it was the first time me and Brendan got to really play together on the same team. Um, and you know, our school wasn't a basketball school per se before that. You know, we were really known for for football and. We were kind of an underdog team throughout the year. We had a bunch of you know baseball, football players on our team, and um, you know we beat some really good teams in that playoff run. And uh, you know it was just a you know unbelievable year. And you know to do it with Brendan and he kind of carried us throughout that year. It was just uh, like I said, you know, the memories that we have as a family is probably what will stick with me the most.
0: That would have been his senior year, right? Yeah that that first run he made down there. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you remember about the final game you played with Brendan?
1: Uh, the final game, I didn't play well. Brendan played well. Um, that was a tough one. I mean, we we had chances um, to win, but we didn't play our best. You know, um, you know the couple games leading up to that game in the playoffs, we beat some really good teams, and I think you know down there we just we didn't play our best game uh, that day. Yeah. I mean, was that
0: was that almost more painful than playing your last game as a senior, uh, the the final game of your career?
1: Ah, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, it was more painful because we lost in the final game as a senior uh, for Downs Grove South. We won the third place state championship, so at least I got to end my high school career on the win. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like I said, it, it was you know, even my junior and senior year, I knew we were really good. And and that sophomore year for me, Brendan's senior year, we were figuring out that we could be really good, you know, and and we were surprising ourselves, I think a little bit, just because of how well we were playing and everyone started to believe, you know, in each other at the right time. So it it was definitely a a tough loss to the season, but um, you know, again, so many great moments. I I know
0: it, at that point or around that time, uh, you know Jack Owens is getting on you. Matt Painter's getting on you. Uh, SIU's starting to express some interest. Uh, when do you first remember uh, the Salukis reaching out and saying, "Hey, we're interested in you"?
1: Yeah, they, they were on me the longest. Um, you know, Coach Owens, Jack, he did an unbelievable job recruiting me. Um, Coach Painter, uh, I remember coming down here my junior year, uh, watching a practice. Um, you know, and then obviously came back down to watch a game as well. So, you know, it was throughout my junior year, going into my senior year, um, you know, it was every day, you know, I'd get mail from them. That's when, you know, um, the texts, you know, weren't really involved. It was all handwritten notes. Um, you know, so I'd get three or four letters from SIU almost every single day. Um, and then when coach Lowry got the job, you know, he took over, you know, right away and, uh, got to form a really good relationship with him, um, going into my senior year.
0: What all can you say if you're, I mean, I'm trying to think from their perspective, they're reaching out to you almost every day. Yeah. What all are they writing in those letters? <laughs> what, what all can you say that's
1: different when you're reaching out every day? Yeah, it's a lot of quotes, you know, a lot of quotes and a lot of like SIU facts and history. And, um, you know, we would talk on the phone, you know, maybe once a week or something like that. But I think just letting me know, my family know that, you know, I'm a priority to the program, you know, just so, you know, every time they open up the mailbox, we open up the mailbox. There's always SIU stuff in there. I think they just wanted to kind of make that impression um, throughout the recruiting process with me.
0: Were you impressed right away by SIU?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, obviously they went to – It would have been two or three by the time they started recruiting me two or three ncaa tournaments already and on their way to a couple more before i even got to the school so um you know and i didn't know much about southern illinois the region you know growing up you know in the west suburbs in the chicago area um and then when i came down here i got to see you know you know how beautiful it was and then when i got to go to games i got to see the atmosphere And then, you know, getting to know the staff and the players and everything like that really sold me. But, you know, I I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I could make an impact and I wanted to win. Winning was the most important thing for me. I I never lost in my life, whether it was soccer or basketball. I didn't want to go to a program that was known for losing or, um, you know, didn't know what it took to win at a high level. And, um, you know, I thought I could make an impact here. And, you know, obviously the success they had before me spoke for itself.
0: When you, you get to SIU your freshman year, um, you guys have a, you know, pretty good stretch there. Uh, your, uh, I guess your December stretch and January stretch, you guys won something like 11 games in a row. There's some talk, you know, maybe we're going to be an at-large team. And then you guys lost five games in February and kind of go slumping into the tournament. But then you guys win the tournament. <laughs> how did how, you guys recover and, and, and turn it on so quickly once you got to St.
1: Louis? Yeah, it was a, uh, that freshman year set up the sophomore year, um, you know, that 2006-2007 season, but the 05-06 season, it was, I mean, it was grueling, you know, it was uh, so many ups and downs and, um, you know, give the coaching staff a ton of credit for keeping them st- together. We were a young team. We didn't have any seniors that year, um, you know, and, you know, we went out to Alaska that first, our, our Thanksgiving tournament, my freshman year, and you know, we went one and two, we lost, um, we lost to Monmouth, we lost to someone else and we beat Eastern Washington who had Rodney Stuckey because Jamal Tatum had like 37 that game. And, you know, we were struggling to find ourselves as a team, um, you know, and JT, Tony Young, they did a great job kind of leading us through and we went on that 11 game win streak because of our defense. And we kind of just kind of formed our identity. Like that's who we needed to be. And, you you know, obviously in the Valley that year, uh, what was it? Four teams got into the NCAA tournament that year. I mean, it was probably one of the best years ever um, in the Missouri Valley conference. Uh, and, you know, we kind of, you know, I think about it now just going into Arch Madness my freshman year. We, I remember having the conversation with with, with Jamal and with Tony and we kind of just looked at each other and we just said we got to win the conference tournament. <laughs> and it was like, okay, Sure. You know, because we, they were not going to not make the NCAA tournament. And, and I just remember succinctly having that you know conversation in the locker room and like, yeah, we're going to win a conference tournament. And, um, you know, obviously that weekend in, in St. Louis was, was awesome. And, you know, it's something that I hope my guys can experience.
0: I, I obviously, I wasn't there for the Bradley game and the championship, but I was just looking back at, at the box last night and uh, reading some stuff on that. And I think you played something like four minutes in the first half, but then Lowry puts you in there for pretty much the entire second half.
1: Why, why the change in that championship game? Well, I sprained my ankle in the semifinals. Um, so I, I, we beat Northern Iowa was in overtime, I think. Um, and I hit a shot, a shot to tie it, um, you know, a big shot. It was a one-legged. I fell on my ankle, twisted my ankle. Um, and so the, obviously it's a quick turnaround. I don't know what the game was probably at four or six o'clock on that Saturday. And then Sunday, the game's always around one or two o'clock for championship Sunday. So I didn't even know if I was going to be able to play. And, you know, though it was tough that first half. And, uh, I don't know. I think I went back to the training room. I remember in the championship game and got it re probably put some icy hot or something on there and just tried to suck it up in that second half. But, you know, I wasn't moving well um during that game but you know obviously our guys got it done for us was uh
0: was your sophomore year healthy I mean did you have any nicks or anything like that because because late in your career you were you're pretty injured um but but your sophomore year did you make that through with without anything massive
1: yeah I'm trying to think no I mean I was pretty healthy I mean you know I'm sure there was some sprained ankles and little things in there, but I didn't miss any games. And, um, you know, it's such a, obviously a huge piece of, you know, why we were so successful because I think pretty much, I know Jamal JT played through some injuries and all of our guys, you know, uh, played through things. But for the most part, we had our core group healthy for that whole year.
0: Did you know that Southern Illinois University awards students $10 million annually in scholarships, has test optional admission and in-state tuition for all US residents. SIU offers hands-on, career-focused learning in every major, which are supported by internships and community service and the potential for study abroad and more. Southern Illinois has faculty who bring real-world experience to the classroom and the classroom into the real world. See what SIU can do for you at the next Open House. Registration and info at siu.edu slash openhouse, exploring options. That's a Saluki. You said your freshman year set up the sophomore success of you guys going to the sweet 16 in 07. Um, Maybe it was that freshman year. Maybe it was early in your sophomore year, but when did you know that 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 group and that team was a little bit different than your typical college basketball team?
1: Yeah, I think it was through the freshman year and then being able to win in St. Louis gave us that belief. We had everyone coming back, you know, um, and just kind of, you know, Knowing that you know we got a chance to do something special, you know we made the NSA tournament with a bunch of you know junior sophomores and freshmen, and and you know we have a chance you know to really um, you know do something that maybe hasn't been done at this school before. And I think um, you know we played in Orlando that first tournament, and um, you know we beat Virginia Tech out there. We lost a tough one to Arkansas, um, you know. But I just felt like every time we stepped on the floor with that team, our mindset was like. We were gonna win. We deserved to win because we outworked the other team, you know. And, and we knew each other so well. We were so connected in terms of everyone had each other's back. Everyone was covering up each other's mistakes, and you know. And that's just the benefit of kind of playing together, the same group of guys for two straight years. I think. Yeah,
0: we. I remember we had we had talked a little bit during uh, this past season. You probably couldn't play as you definitely couldn't play as physical as as that team
1: did in, in today's game, could you? Oh no, no, definitely not. You guys that's were beating not. people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm teaching my guys not to fall and everything like that. And 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 we were we were hugging people for 94 feet, you know, when I was playing. But it, it's definitely a little bit different. But I think, um, in, in terms of you know the passion, how hard we played, the loose balls, the floor burns, you know, all that stuff is still the same. And that and that's you know you know it. it if the game would have been called as it is today, you know, when I was playing back then with those guys, we would have adjusted. And, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, the following or that's, it was our mindset, you know, and how hard we consistently played and just the competitiveness of that group and everyone being on the same page. Uh,
0: Memories from Hinkle Fieldhouse. This is, uh, you know, this is something I think a lot of college basketball fans wish still existed. The Bracket Busters, it's a top 15 game in February. You guys are 15th in the country, Butler's 12th. You go to Hinkle. Uh, What stands out about that day where you guys win at Hinkle?
1: Yeah, it was – what a great college atmosphere. Uh, Unbelievable environment to play in. You know, know, like you said, two top 15 teams playing. Um, It was a grinded out, brutal game, you know. Um, But, you know, it was the same thing. Like when we walked in there, you know, we knew we were going to win, you know, we believed it. Um, you know, I, I remember JT hitting a big time step back off one foot. Um, that was like a dagger for them. And then, you know, I remember going back into the locker room, you know, under the bleachers and Hinkle and celebrating in a tiny, tiny locker room, you know, it's just those type of experiences, um, that you don't forget. Are you,
0: are you thinking about the movie Hoosiers
1: when you go in there? I mean, that's,
0: that's kind of the, the cliche yeah, yeah, let me think about sure. this Disney movie, but uh <laughs> is, is that something that crosses a player's mind when you go play there?
1: yeah, definitely. I mean you know I think uh in our shoot around, you know when the first time you walk in there, you kind of see it, and you know obviously that that movie you know probably every you know basketball person has watched, so you know it's it's just natural to do that, but once you know the game gets going or even in warm ups you're kind of now you're all focused about Butler and the opponent.
0: You're not you're not thinking about Jimmy Chitwood when it's a, a four point game late in the second half. No, no, I'm thinking about closing <laughs> I, out with high hands, right? Uh, I, I know you mentioned uh, you, you heard some of the Kent Williams episode a couple weeks ago. Um, one of the things that that I found interesting when when they won their second round game uh, to go to the Sweet 16 and 0-2, he, he talked about how hard it was to get refocused for that Sweet 16 game the following week what was your experience with, with trying to, you know, temper some of the expectations and the excitement and then get ready
1: for Kansas? Yeah. Well, it it wasn't hard for us because we, we were a four seed. you know, we expected to be there. You know, we expected to be Kansas. I mean, it, that, you know, when I talk about the mindset of that, that group, that team, like we thought we were the best teams in the country. And, you know, so, I think we, we were happy, you know, that we beat Virginia Tech and we were going to the Sweet 16, but we were nowhere near satisfied or, you know, we did it, guys, great season. You know, there was no, it's, okay, we got, we got another weekend ahead of us. We got another two games. We got a win, you know, and that's where our minds were at, you know, and so, um, you know, it wasn't hard for that group because, you know, we, we believed we were going to be there and, you know, we wanted to play another weekend. That's
0: that's an unbelievable level of confidence. Uh, I mean, you you look back, you're probably not thinking this at the time, but you look back at that Kansas team, they had seven guys that they put into the NBA, and you guys only lose by three. Um, I mean, do you ever think about the what ifs? What if what if we win that game? What happens?
1: Yeah, that one, that that's probably the hardest toughest loss of of maybe my playing career. Um, you know, I've never gone back and watched that game. Um, because I thought we should have won. Uh, I thought we were a better team. Um, you know, not better talented, not more not more talented, not, you know, um, better players perhaps, but as a team, you know, I thought we could have beat them. I thought we could have beat UCLA the next game and be in the final four. Um, you know, so yeah, I think about that all the time. I think about that right now for our guys. I mean, there's, you know, it's not just to make the NCAA tournament. You know, we're a program that can win games and go far in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, your, your junior year after that Sweet 16 season, um, you know, your final two years, you get to host college game day. Um, you know, you, you're, you're still on a really good team after that. Um, I want to ask you about that that picture I think it's hanging in the arena of you talking to Aaron Andrews with college (laughs) game day. Uh, Do you, do you remember that conversation and what do you remember about that day when game day was in town?
1: Uh, um, You know, that's, you know, you know, besides the sweet 16, I mean, just for, you know, the community and just the energy that was here in Carbondale that weekend was unbelievable. It was, it was special. Um, you know our, our students the the arena was packed that night um, and to do it against our rival to do it against you know the other program that at that time was associated with going to the NCAA tournament every single year um, and, and to kind of show the country what Carbondale was all about it was it was just you know a special night and a special weekend and um, the conversation I don't remember really with Aaron Andrews I, I was exhausted I remember um, going back into the locker room, you know, because I was the last one in, and I was just exhausted in the locker. You know, I, I mean, I, we gave it everything we had. You know, we were we played an incredibly tough schedule uh, my junior year, probably one of the toughest schedules, you know, that a mid-major, you know, um, school has ever played. I mean, and, you know, we, we we had chances, you know, all the way to the end of that year to still make the NCAA tournament.
0: You, uh, you kind of gave us uh, some insight into – to just how tough you were. And I feel like that's uh, that's the adjective that kind of gets assigned to you as a player most often is, is tough. Um, with the example you used your freshman year in the, the conference championship game, when you look back, um, what do you feel like the, the toughest thing you had to do or experience in your college career was?
1: That's a good question. Uh, you know, when I look back, I'm still – surprised or you know kind of can't believe that i didn't get a chance to finish my college career here um you know not being able to play my senior year healthy uh having to sit out you know the second half of it not really getting a fair shot the last couple months of my junior year and to still have the memories and some of the success that I was able to experience is just unbelievable. And I think it just speaks to this university, this community, the friendships I was able able to make, um, you know, but, you know, obviously just, you know, going through, you know, those injuries were extremely challenging and, uh, it taught me a lot and it helped me, um, you know, through my professional career and it helps me every single day coaching and trying to relate to these guys and what they're going through.
0: Coach Lowry had the the great quote, you know, "This dude's crazy talking about you. This dude's crazy. He played till he broke. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how tough. That's how much he cared. Um, despite the stress fractures, all the injuries, all the the mileage on your legs, you still go play pro for four years. Despite all that, why do you why do you still go play?
1: Well, I think when you get hurt, it's taken away from you, you know, and you feel like you know, unfairly, uh, you know, and I think once my senior year, that second stress fracture happened, I really started to learn how to take care of my body and what it means, you know, to be a pro and, and, you know, all the requirements, it's not just practicing for three hours and going to shoot for two hours and then just keep doing it. There's so many other aspects that, can help you uh, become a better basketball player and become a professional. And, you know, I still loved it. You know, I just, I, I wasn't ready to give it up. You know, I was, I still had that, you know, burning desire to compete, to play, to prove myself. Um, you know, and I wanted to be able, you know, to play professional basketball. Uh, and I thought I could put the work in and I knew I had to take care of my body, but uh, I thought that was good enough too. You weren't ready to be done garden people, were you? no no not yet not yet
0: uh you may have said this in your your hall of fame speech when you went in a couple years ago about how you took it personally when when you would guard people and just now that that kind of jogged my memory to to the last dance which uh a lot of people got into here during quarantine how michael jordan would kind of make up storylines in his head (laughs) so he would hold it personally against people and and go you know kick their butt but um is that something in your experience that that you would do you would kind of make up things in your mind about the guy you were guarding to, to motivate you on a given night um
1: uh, you know when i was actually guarding them i, I wouldn't I, i'm i wouldn't really make up stories about them i just i just wanted to dominate them basically you know and, and i took a personal every time you know and and you know obviously if there's anything in the newspaper before our games or if a guy was averaging you know a certain number of points i took that personal you know i wanted to prove myself every single time i competed you know i think where i would make up stuff or you know find motivational techniques is when i was doing conditioning um you know when we were running the mile you know i would you know you know, say, you know, hey, another guard in this league is going to run in five minutes, you know, or how bad do you want to win a championship this year? You know, and when I went to shoot every single night at the arena, you know, I would use the other players in the league, the other players in the country as motivation and and know that when I step on the court that next season that I've already outworked them, you know, that you know, I have that trust in my work that, you know, I, I know I'm ready to go.
0: Toughest guard in your college career that you had to match up with. Who was it?
1: Uh, that's a good question. You know, Eric Gordon, you know, we played Indiana here in my junior year at the arena. Um he was so strong and he used like his I always tell guys, he used his head as a technique to get space on his jumper and it was just something that I had to deal with. Um you know, a, a got Butler, Mike Green on Butler. He was a shifty guard. Um you know, he was really hard to to stop uh, for me individually. Um you know, we played against a bunch of pros but know, those two guys I remember in particular, I mean, O.J. Mayo, um, you know, we played against so many good guys, obviously the Kansas team, but, um, you know, I always say Eric Gordon and, you know, Mike Green is, you know, he's had an unbelievable European career and I think he's still playing now. Yeah.
0: I was going to say on that Kansas team, you could probably just point at one of them and say, yeah, he's, (laughs) he's probably up there. Um, But, you know, you, you get done playing in France, you you join the staff at Loyola. Uh, I know there were, some people maybe trying to talk you out of coaching. Um, why'd you take the bait anyway?
1: <laughs> uh, you know I think at that point I was I was still maybe thinking about doing something else, but you know playing overseas, playing professionally, um, having Brendan um, you know be already a college coach, knowing kind of what it entails um, and just kind of I still had that that, that it thing inside me that I wanted to compete at some level. And I wanted to be able to share what I've learned through my career with others. And, you know, the experiences I got to experience down here as a student athlete, you know, professionally, um, you know, I wanted to help people reach their goals and, uh, you know, to be able to do it at this level, at this high of level in college, you know, I thought was the right fit for me at the time. How long did it take you to ease out of that,
0: um, that competitiveness as a player and channel that into, to something kind of similar, same sport, but also very different.
1: Yeah. That first year, you know, cause I got done playing professional basketball and I went to the director of basketball ops role. So in, in that role, you're not allowed to, you know, be on the court, you know, coaching the guys. And, you know, that was a tough transition because, you know, I'm coming from playing every single day. I'm coming from, you know, you're the one getting spoiled and now I'm the director of ops and I'm, hey, making sure you guys get your laundry turned in. You know, hey, do you guys want Subway or Pizza Hut after the game? You know, so it was it was a great experience for me, um, you know, looking back on it. But it was a tough transition because all you want to do is be out on that court. And, you know, I think the hardest thing about coaching and the transition to coaching is that you can't control everything, you know, no matter how hard you scout a team, no matter what you do in practice, you know. You know, the players, the guys out on the court are the ones who are going to make the shots, who are going to make the plays, and you try to make sure they're prepared, you know, to have success as much as you can, and, and you got to believe in them and let them make the, you know, make the plays out there.
0: But obviously, I don't want to gloss over uh, anything you guys accomplished there at Loyola, obviously going to a Final Four, but, you know, you've, you've talked about that a lot before. Uh, let's fast forward to, uh, you know, being a candidate for the SIU job, um, and you were a very popular player. You were in the league. I don't think it's any secret that there were some people that wanted you here, maybe even before you got here. Um, but once you, once you interview, what was the the most challenging part of, of proving yourself in that process that, that you were the right guy?
1: You know, I think after, after the interview, you know, I think it's, it's more so, you know, a couple more conversations and you're kind of just waiting, but I think, you know, once you do your interview, you know, your body, of work speaks for itself. I think, you know, it's not all of a sudden, Oh, you know, this guy, um, you know, he interviewed great. Let's just give it to him. I think it's everything I did up until that interview as well. Uh, in, in terms of, you know, obviously my connections, my relationships here. Um, but you know, who I, who I am as a person, you know, and, you know, how I've treated other people. And, and I think um, other people speaking kindly on my behalf for me. um, And then, you know, just kind of the work that I was able to do at Loyola and and the reputation I was able to build my, as myself, you know, as a coach, you know, and not just a player, you know, and I think that's important as well, the separation between being a player and a coach, you know, and having respect on both sides. And, um, you know, obviously, When the opportunity came available to come back and represent my alma mater, it it was unbelievable and something that I never knew if it would happen or not. And, you know, I just I know how special this school is. You know, I mean, I lived it. I I was here. I, I know what this place is and I didn't even know, you know, the facilities and all the improvements they made in the last Decades since I've been back. Obviously, I, I know the arena since we play there, but I had no idea about the weight room, the locker rooms, the, the offices, um, you know. And you know, I just—I've said it since I got this job. Just the passion and pride that people have in this region for this university for this basketball program—it's unmatched, you know, anywhere. And and that's what makes this thing special. And I think you gotta have something that separates your program from other programs in the country. And Um, you know, it's, it's been like that since I was down here and before I was down here.
0: Now you've, you've had a year on the job. Some things have have worked, some things haven't worked, I'm sure. Um, what do you personally need to get better at in year two as a head coach?
1: (laughs) A lot. Um, I need to, you know, I, I think you learn things every single, every single game in terms of the basketball side of it. Um, you know, I think, you know, different situations and the halves and the games, um, you know, different play calls, kind of understanding what works best for your guys. And I think we got better throughout the season with that. Um, You know, I think uh, the practices in in terms of, you know, the schedule, knowing when we should go lighter, when we should go heavier, you know, when we should, you know, get the guys in individually, Um, just kind of learning little things like that, you know, I think, will be beneficial for this upcoming year. And I think the biggest thing with year one is also, you know, your staff, you know, everyone is so much more familiar with each other and what I expect from them, you know, going through everything we went through this first year that this second year is an opportunity for us as a staff to take that big jump and just where everything I think will be a lot more seamless and fluid in terms of what we expect from each other.
0: You, uh, you mentioned end-of-game situation, so um, nothing specific about the, the schematics of Marcus's uh, game-winner against Missouri State, but I, I just love going back and watching different people uh, and their reactions in that. And I couldn't help but notice you kind of gave Brendan a little forearm shiver after he came <laughs> over and tried to hug you after drawing up that play. Does he give you crap about that one?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I think uh... – I was just making sure everything was in. I was like, let's just make sure it's good. You know, like w- let's not celebrate quite yet. Um, but yeah, what an incredible shot for Marcus. I mean, uh, incredible scene in the arena, uh, something that, you know, Marcus and his family will have for the rest of his life. And, um, you know, those are the type of moments that make this place so special, I think. And why people keep coming back because, uh, those things do happen here. Uh, yeah. you know, for whatever reason they've happened before and they'll, they'll continue to happen. Yeah, no doubt.
0: Well, Hey, I appreciate you doing this and, uh, let me steal 45 minutes of your time. Uh, I know people will, uh, will enjoy hearing from you. So no,
1: for sure. Thanks for having me
0: on.